0: Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson here. Ish, how you doing?
1: Oh man, the season's almost over, thank God. (laughs)
0: yeah uh it is the weirdest thing right I mean obviously we knew that this was gonna happen but like Utah started games last week and Texas State just finished an uninterrupted 12-game schedule Mm -hmm. like I know that this was gonna be a weird year but my goodness it's a
1: weird year (laughs) yeah don't remind me that Texas State got to play a full schedule (laughs) Yeah, it, that it was. On Twitter, somebody was like, somebody was like, oh, you know, Texas State played a full twelve game schedule. You know, what I mean, it wasn't, it was uninterrupted, but it, you know, they obviously got impacted with like, you know, Brady McGrudden and yes. Tyler Vitt <laughs> losing players, Ex- exchanging, yeah, exchanging COVID protocol, uh, benchings, I guess you can call them, because I don't think either of them had it, but they were both in contact tracing. Um, right and and so and i was like yeah it's great right like i <laughs> get to watch the full season for texas day play out uh and i guess i guess texas would be the other team that ha- i mean no texas lost play, kansas
0: texas tech uh texas oh, tech is right. the yeah. only other team that has not at this point lost yeah. a game due to COVID. so you know which is bizarre by the way because texas tech has reported like 90 positive cases in the program but I guess just all of them were preseason, and so and and look I mean we're gonna need to I've been trying to dig a little to figure out I don't know exactly who makes like the contact tracing decisions Mm -hmm. Um, you know because obviously I'm sure it's like a medical staff person but maybe after the season I'll have to figure out how that all works because I don't know if it plays a factor that if a kid's already had it maybe they're able to Skirt some. I, I have no idea, right? Like, mm, I, I don't right. understand how you can have a program that has ninety positive uh, tests of of COVID nineteen over the course well, see, of a couple of months and don't. I mean, see it, it,
1: yeah. I think I think so. You you mentioned that, and then you then you bring up the fact that Brady McBride had it, and he still got right, pulled for contact right. tracing. So then you have like maybe is there different rules for different schools, or you know, is everybody kind of following their own protocol? And yeah, it's just weird
0: it's a weird year <laughs> again it's a really weird year I mean yeah. I don't know I don't know I mean let's go ahead and get right into it I, I think that we have plenty to talk about just from this week this, this was 100%. a super weird week this was like I I don't know I mean it it's been a year of is weird, it weird
1: or is it just like everybody bad except UTSA in Houston
0: <laughs> like it's also like bad in Oh, weird Baylor, ways like yeah yeah Baylor Baylor did win I don't know if you'd <laughs> with Baylor and TCU I don't know if you'd call their performances good but they were good right. enough to win yeah. and you know they deserve all the credit for that but you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not you know writing love songs to the performances that Baylor and TCU had this weekend <laughs> but right. um Let's start real quick, and, and we'll, we'll have a lot of time to, to sort of get into them a little more over the offseason. But Texas State at number 12, uh, they mm-hmm. lose 49-14 to Coastal Carolina. Guess what? Doesn't matter. I mean, they, <laughs> Coastal's really, really good. I, I yep. don't think that any of us expected anything. I, I will say, I, I was very impressed with Coastal's defense. Like, I knew that they were oh, good, yeah. but, like, they are suffocating.
1: They really are. Um, I think that the one thing that stood out to me, the the couple things that stood out to me was, one, Texas State's offense wasn't that bad, right? No, 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 like Like, Coastal's defense is really good, but it wasn't like they just dominated, right? It was like they gave Texas State some things. And then they just made sure they got nothing else. So like Brady McBride, he had a pretty good game, right? We've seen him have b- terrible games against good defenses. Right. Um, the running game was like, okay. But like coastal. The, what Coastal does so well is, one, they control the clock. That, that offense is so much fun to watch. It is. Um, and Jamie Chadwell really has something going there. I'm, I'm really wondering why he's not popping up for the South Carolina job um, more. But um, – so they're able to control the clock and then they're just able to basically give like Texas state the sidelines and then nothing else. Right. Like they'll let you, they'll let you go, they'll let you spread the ball around and then it's like, all right, cool. Now you're not getting a first down or you're not getting right. anything past midfield. And it's like, it's so it's, I don't know. It was really interesting to watch, especially because I've kept track of this coastal program for a year since they jumped up to the Sun Belt, And it, it just seems like, I don't know, like, Chadwell having full control now for I guess what year, two years now or is, I can't remember this is Something first like year. Something like that. I think. Um, uh, after being interim for one year and like now it's like okay, this is a different team that now that's completely under his watch. You know, he's no longer interim. He's no longer just the OC. It's like okay, he's putting his stamp on this program and watching them was just really impressive. Uh, more, one more thing on Brady McBride. I probably will do like a deep dive on him uh, yeah. in the off season. Um, yeah and probably sometime fairly soon now that they're done, but just, like, to go through, like, what he did well, what he's, what he did, what he, you know, needs to work on, mm-hmm. and why I still, you know, compared to the middle of the season, I do feel confident with him going forward as yeah, for he, the next two years. Yeah, to me, for sure. Right, no, for sure, easily. Like, we talked about Vit, you know, coming in and playing, and there were, you know, there were some games that warranted that, but... I want to do a deep dive on like his worst games and his best games, what we saw at SMU. And once he got things really set and to really see what summarized kind of what his season was, because I think it's a very fascinating case study. Definitely.
0: Definitely. Well, well one thing that I'll mention is that uh, the reason that South Carolina won't hire Jamie Chadwell is one because they hate winning football games and would rather lose in a way that feels comfortable to them than actually try something new. And two, the other thing that I'll say,, you know, you know what? I, I don't know what his level of interest would be in the job, um, but Vanderbilt should throw everything at Jamie Jadwell, because Ooh, yeah. they're also the program that's going to give him enough time to do what he wants. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, look, I, I'm just obviously we can say like jamie chadwell is probably never gonna coach alabama right coaching the style that he does just because again people think a certain way and unless he's literally like going 12 and 0 like nobody's gonna want to adjust to to playing kind of that spread option style that he plays which is awesome by the way i love watching Mm -hmm. them play uh but vanderbilt is like the perfect sort of place where you would think okay i mean screw it why not <laughs> let's, let's right. just see what happens and and if it doesn't work it doesn't work and jamie chadwell is probably going to get like six years to try to get it done so right. i i would uh i would give him a five-year guaranteed contract and just say man
1: figure it out <laughs> see what you right. can
0: do so so hopefully 100%, uh,
1: and like the other thing the, the, the reason why i mentioned south carolina is because i knew i knew he came from charleston southern right yeah and so like that was his that was his background where he kind of made his uh, mark in the fcs I didn't know that he literally – he's literally one Only of the three levels of South Carolina. <laughs> Only coached in South Carolina. <laughs> he's coached in Division II, SCS, and now FBS all yep. in South Carolina. <laughs> yep. And he's guess, literally born in uh, the echo chamber to, and, play, to coach South Carolina football.
0: And now they're going to – now South Carolina is going to go and hire some other mediocre Saban assistant. Like, they won't even get Napier, right? Like, Napier would right. – I, I would get it. Like, and I, I honestly don't know if he would take that job, but uh, – but like they're gonna hire like
1: i don't even know who whatever i think of the names there were some names where i'm just like ah sure man like well, what's <laughs> uh, shane the... beamer was one of them sure um, yeah right it's like It's like really like that's the best you can do or i don't know there were some more that were just like i think uh, napier was the best name that i saw which is good i mean Napier's yeah. good but like you napier said Napier's good he's gonna have his pick so maybe probably not even that <laughs> ambitious um yeah I don't know I'm, I'm trying to look up names right now but yeah it was Shane Beamer was one we where I'm just like oh is that what we're going for right now <laughs> like
0: yeah well anyway you can catch uh more of this conversation on our new podcast Dave Campbell's Coastal Football but uh, let's move on to number 11 uh the Baylor Bears they beat Kansas State at the buzzer 32 to 31 um Charlie Brewer has a really really nice game legitimately um uh, mm-hmm. you know we've kind of been waiting for him to have something like this and it, it felt like you know, so so from my perspective, I'm I'm still obviously sort of working through trying to understand everything that happened, but I think that one of the biggest things that changed was I think that Charlie Brewer realized that R.J. Snead is always going to catch what he throws him. You know, and mm-hmm. and I think that last year, and, and obviously the last three years, you know, Denzel Mims was that guy where right. where you just knew that okay, it's it's the uh, it's the meme. You know, the screw it. Uh, RJ Sneed's down there somewhere, right?
1: (laughs) Right, right. Closing his eyes and throwing it,
0: yeah. Right, and I think that just having that guy, I I think that it's obvious how much of a difference it makes for him. And the other thing, too, is that I think that Fedora in this game did a lot better job of getting stuff going towards the middle of the field, doing crossing routes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I mean, again, like, this side-to-side action hasn't been working because baylor's not blocking well enough they can't set it up all that sort of stuff uh but it really felt like they kind of found themselves a little bit more on this game and i don't know whether it's going to be anything sustainable by any means i i probably can assume that it won't be with oklahoma mm-hmm. and oklahoma state left on the schedule but right uh but this was you know sort of a game where at least in the second half it seemed like they figured out what they wanted to be
1: Yeah, definitely i think that what's frustrating is like we've seen Last year, I don't think we ever really saw the quote-unquote good Charlie Brewer game, right? And I think we were kind of waiting on it, and it kind of just never came. We, keep, we kind of had, like, okay Charlie Brewer games for most of the year. Um, we've seen him, what, two or three times this year. Like, I think that's yeah. really what's what's the most frustrating is, like, whether last year was a plateau or not, I think we can all agree it probably was, or a regression even – this year was like, okay, we've seen the peaks and the valleys. Like, we've seen the, the, the threshold of what he can give you. And, you know, Kansas State is not as good as we probably thought they would be in the early end of the year. But, like, I mean, it's still – I mean, he's performed worse against worse opponents.
0: Well, Well, and, and the thing that I'll say is that Kansas State has been a disaster offensively. After sure. Skylar Thompson went out – Sure. And they've been really good defensively all year. So this wasn't mm-hmm. like this, – this wasn't doing it against Kansas's defense,
1: right? Like this is – And also, I mean, they, and they came back, of course. Like like yeah. Baylor came back in this game. It wasn't like – it wasn't like they were playing comfortably or they were in a good position, so they let Charlie just kind of manage the game and not mess things up. He was like, no, they had to go get it, right? They had to go gun for this game. And he was ma- – like you mentioned, he he was making throws to guys who he trusted – and he wasn't afraid to. I mean, he really couldn't afford to be tentative or scared. And same with Fedora with the play calling, they had to go and go out and try to be proactive. And then it just. It, I'm, I'm disappointed that it took like them going down to be like, all right, let's you know, let's whip it out, right? Let's let's just, let's throw out all these uh, conservative play calls and try things deep. And you know, RJ Seeds covered. Who cares? Just throw it in his direction, and you know, just really try to gun things in there because it worked and we saw that he could do it and um yeah i don't know who knows if we'll see this i mean who who knows if this is something that it- long story short i wanted to i wanted to see this after the iowa state game right where it was like oh here's here's this aggressive charlie brewer again and then texas tech and it's like okay well never mind (laughs) um but you know against oklahoma uh, spoilers they're gonna be down early and so like i I hope that you know it it, you know they get another kick in the rear where it's like okay here we go like let's let's try to be more ambitious with this play calling and try to force things because you have nothing to lose in these last two games (laughs) come on now
0: right no, I mean and, and for me, I guess, like I one of my friends, uh, obviously as people know, I went to Baylor. So some of my friends were texting me after and being like, so like after this, is there any chance this upcoming week against Oklahoma? And to me, like, the answer is Oklahoma's gonna score 35 and Baylor's not gonna score 35, right? Right. Now Oklahoma State, that that's gonna be an interesting game to me. Um sure. their offense has not been very good this year. Uh I think that Baylor's really played pretty well defensively this year. So I think they'll be able to keep them in check to some extent. Um, So, you know, I I don't know. I mean, Oklahoma State also has one of the the Big 12's best defenses. So we're going to figure out real quick what's going to happen. So moving on, uh, we can talk about these two teams at the same time. Number 10, Rice. Number 9, UTEP. If you have them flipped, I don't really care. They're, (laughs) you know, right there at the same. They were supposed to play each other for the right to be number 9 in the college power poll, and unfortunately – for COVID reasons, the game was postponed at the very last second. It was, it was kind of a weird situation. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, so now UTEP has multiple positive cases in their program. They have shut down activities for the time being and officially canceled their game against Southern Miss this week. So now what? <laughs> you know, yeah. they have one game left on the schedule after this week. And it's Mm -hmm. against North Texas, and it's supposed to be at home. And what happened last time was North Texas did not want to go to El Paso, and obviously none of us blame them. So Mm -hmm. I – because of the COVID situation, to be clear, I love the city of El Paso, but the COVID situation, not good. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it's tough with UTEP because I – obviously everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to play football games. But, man, it feels like – after everything that they've gone through the last couple of weeks they they probably should just shut it down
1: 100% i don't think that i don't know i mean obviously they have something to gain from playing north texas cuz obviously you can look at a, a potentially if they go four and four good boom you know well, there's, a, there's amazing a little, yeah right it's like it's a little check in in dane dumbells cap to see like look we're heading in the right direction and I, and i think honestly actually no you know what i'm going to take that back I don't think they have anything to gain because I think either way they can look yeah. at this and say boom look we're heading in the right direction right like all these guys are coming back um you know you did this well with considering everything that went on with this with this off season and this this regular season and I don't know like I I I'm trying to look at the positives of playing North Texas and sure a 4 and 4 record I guess is better than 3 and 4 but like I don't know if in the context of everything i see this as a good season and a good year to a good way to just cap it off like i don't know like to me there's no overwhelming benefit to risk playing
0: north yeah. texas
1: um because what are you gonna do i mean Dion hankins is gonna have another good game like i don't know like what 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 are you what else are you looking from this roster to 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 argue that they're heading in the right direction
0: right no i mean I and i think that's fair i mean i do think uh obviously i think the benefit is is first of all getting the 500 would be insane and sure. second of all um you know doing it against a conference foe would be good but mm-hmm. at, at the same time obviously i think that we can both agree that the juice isn't worth the squeeze i guess as they would say you know mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's just not worth trying to figure this out and yeah, it, it sucks. I mean, I've really enjoyed watching this UTEP team this year. I've really enjoyed them kind of reinventing themselves on offense. I've I've enjoyed the weekly debates of whether Gavin Hardison is good or bad. Uh, and unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, looks like that question's going to be open. So, right, <laughs> so,
1: you
0: know, I, I mean, again, I would not be surprised if UTEP is done playing games. And as for Rice, I mean, Rice has to go play Marshall this week. Mm-hmm. So, I... I, I Man, this just a – it's going to suck if, after all of this, Rice ends up doing all this to play four or five games. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just – again, at that point, you should have just gone the Old Dominion route and, and maybe not played. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a weird deal. It's a weird season. It sucks. I, I don't know. I mean, that's all that we really can say about these guys. And, and moving on to number eight, North Texas. Uh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs>
1: Yikes. Hoo-wee. Uh so I knew that defense was bad. Yeah. Um what I did not know is that Jason Bean was still bad. <laughs> yeah. Like he that that whole offense that we thought they'd reinvented and kind of found and just out the window. Just done. Like what we, what I saw was that Jason Bean is fast. Yes. And right now, that's all I can really feel confident about Jason Bean. Um, he is fast and can hit wide open receivers, right? Um, if they're not wide open, then there's a struggle there because North Texas was quick to say nope, and Austin <laughs> Ani <laughs> was back in.
0: Yeah, it's it's bad. I don't know. I mean, I I just. Their quarterback situation, I, actually, no, let, let me let me start it like this. So Alex Kirchner from over at Moon Crew, uh, he asked on Twitter, he was like, so how is it exactly that North Texas, you know, who a couple of years ago we were talking about in conference title games and beating mm-hmm. Arkansas and all this, how is North Texas here and how is UTSA here, right? Like mm-hmm. what happened that all of a sudden we're talking about UTSA being a head and shoulders better than North Texas, a, a program that looked like it was ready to kind of be the team in, in conference USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of factors obviously, but that what they've gotten from their quarterback situation, I, I mean, it has to be at the top of the list. I, mm-hmm. now we have to say they had Mason fine last year and it didn't work too. So they have other issues. I'm not, I'm not just saying that it's like as simple as well, they don't have that guy.
1: But it looked like he was papering, papering over even more cracks.
0: Right. It's like the uh, I guess I guess the comparison that you make is kind of like uh, at Oregon once Marcus Mariota left, it was like, yeah. oh my god,
1: yeah. <laughs> that is... program just collapsed. <laughs> this... Wait, Mark Helfrich sucks. He's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. like, wait, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback's gone. What do we do? <laughs> uh,
0: what now? What now? But um, yeah, I, and again, there's a lot more issues. But are are you kidding me with? with not being able to get Jalen Darden
1: the ball more. No, no, he had a big game because he he's had a big good. game. Yeah. He's the, he was the only guy they could throw to. And right. so I'm trying to think like completed. I'm looking at the box score right now. It looks like 14 passes and eight of them were to Jalen Darden. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and like, Look, my, my By big, the way, that's 14 passes between both Jason Bean and Asanani. Let me make right, it like two right. quarterbacks had 14 completions. Right. So I just, like, what are we doing here, man?
0: You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. It's so weird to see from a Seth Latrell's team, obviously, because they're known for their passing offenses. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's fair to say, I mean, just sort of big picture, their passing offense has not been the same since Graham Harrell left. It just hasn't been
1: i think that's the elephant in the room right right is that you know even mason finds good so they obviously didn't collapse under when when graham harrell left but i don't know i i i kind of have to argue like it's this is weird saying right. but like
0: is he coaching for his job next year i i think so i think so i mean this is two bad years in a row um mm-hmm. And and I do think I do want to be clear. Like I think that
1: this year is a mulligan. I don't think that especially. Sure, I mean, with, right, right. No one. It's weird for everybody.
0: Right, and and I specifically in North Texas. Uh, you know, I mean, again, they had that that stretch of five weeks without games. They've yeah. had quite a few COVID issues in their program where they've missed <laughs> guys, especially on defense. I mean, they have been a revolving door, right? Right. But that said, if it was if this was the first year after Graham Harrell left, right? Like if they're going from nine wins to three and four this year,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you, you just totally ignore that, right? Like you don't, mm-hmm. you don't even like let it get into your head that that might be something. But this is two years in a row now where mm-hmm. we're talking about a team underwhelming, underachieving. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say that North Texas has recruited at a really high level and that they should be talented – uh, more talented rather than most of these teams in conference USA you know maybe, maybe UTSA is one of those teams that's sort of in the ta- same range but like mm-hmm. I think that you take North Texas recruiting over the past couple of years over what UTSA has put together and it's just I don't know I, I mean <laughs> I, I don't have words I don't have an, an explanation it just it hasn't worked and so I guess the question is now I mean does north texas this upcoming year do they look to the grad transfer market do they look to the tra- i mean what do they do like i mm-hmm. i'm also a little surprised that i i mean i guess what do you do because you're still trying to work it out between these two quarterbacks who are playing right. but you know, i mean hell it, see what case martin can do hell see what <laughs> right. will cooney can do i mean come on i i don't know it's just you got a couple other guys and none of this is working um yep. I think Amari Gilmore. I mean,
1: like they have like, I mean, they have a good run game. Yeah, right? they, have they have a very have, good they run obviously game. Obviously, had a star receiver. Yeah. Um, who's you know trying to get out as fast as he can now? Um, <laughs> he's <laughs> trying to get paid. Um, and so like, okay, so like, literally, there's just one thing it could be, and you have an emerging wide receiver, I think, in Deontay Deontay Simpson, um, who I don't know if he's gonna be Jalen Darden good, but he's really he's looking he's, to be he's really free. good. Yeah, so he's looking to be the next guy up eventually. And, and also, uh, I mean, he wasn't there
0: this week and hasn't been for a couple of weeks, I believe, but uh, Jair Shorter also is another mm-hmm. guy who's really special, in my opinion.
1: Right. And so you have a running game, you have good wide receivers, you have, a, I guess, bodies on the offensive line. <laughs> I want to say, like, I want to say, like, you have <laughs> they, a great I think they line. have played well. I do think they've played well. Fair, okay, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, like, you have, and then, okay, so put it this year, put it, put, or put it this way you got to make a bowl next year, right? Oh yeah. Like, so, so, so if you're Seth Luttrell, do you look at either of these guys and you say, I see six wins in either of them. And if not, you got to hit the grad transfer market or something because are you going to want, are you going to put the season on Jason Bean's shoulders? Right. And granted he might look like a 100% different quarterback when he has spring training and a full Fall camp, right? Like that is possible. Yeah, but I, if you're Seth Luttrell and you're probably coaching for your job next year, I don't know how much you put on that, right? If you go through spring camp, you're like, well, crap, I still don't have a quarterback.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and and actually, you know, now that I remember, they do have that kid from Kentucky who transferred in, Amani Gilmore. So maybe they think, maybe they think he's the guy. But I mean, he wasn't yeah. a big passer in high school. Right. Like it
1: wasn't him. like he was like a. It wasn't like he was a, dy- a dynamite get
0: for them right right and and i mean he was he was always a little bit more of a dual threat guy and so Mm -hmm. you know i i mean again i i think that this staff is really talented and they're gonna figure it out and by the way we do have to mention because of the worst reasons uh (laughs) north texas does not have a quarterback coach right now uh yeah you know what good yeah yeah so so you know there's that um right. <laughs> from what it sounds like it's mostly been grad trans or uh sorry not grad transfers uh, grad assistants quinn mm. Shanmore who's obviously uh, a name that north texas fans would know and also uh dane evans the former telsa quarterback those two guys are kind of handling uh-huh. quarterback coach responsibilities yeah. uh well, yeah that's not what you're looking for right <laughs> that's, that's not what you're thinking when you uh when you put together a staff so maybe that can help right maybe that can help but yeah I don't know I mean Seth Charles playing the I'm calling plays card and I don't think he's calling bad plays right like I think that he's calling good plays and they just mm. can't execute them and right that's that's the other thing that I think is a little confusing for me and, and we'll move on from more in a second but um I think the thing that's confusing to me is that I do feel like they have the right guys on offense and defense calling plays. I think that Mm -hmm. Clint Bowen is the guy on defense. And I think that we saw that for stretches this season. Uh, We haven't seen it consistently enough, largely because of COVID. But I do like what I've seen when they've been able to kind of put some stuff together. Uh, And then on offense, I I think that Seth Luttrell is the best uh, play caller you're going to find, obviously. You know, Mm. and so I do think that they have the right guys calling plays. And so to me, it's even more surprising that they're not – running those plays well I guess is the only way to put it so um, again I, I do think 2021 is going to be a really interesting year uh, and I expect them to bounce back I don't think they can be this talented and this bad at the same time for three years in a row but I didn't really think they would for two years in a row and here we are so <laughs> moving on to number seven Texas Tech uh, pretty good performance overall 50 uh, to 44 loss to Oklahoma State they they mount sort of a late comeback uh, obviously I think so obviously, you know I I, I love Matt Walls. He he is apt to galaxy brain himself at least twice a game,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and with this one, I understand the thought, and it went literally the worst way it could possibly go. But oh boy, was that onside kick just a. <laughs> that oh man again it's it's hindsight 2020 you never think when you kick an onside kick that what's gonna happen is that it's going to be immediately returned for a touchdown but oh oh my god was it funny (laughs) oh my god i think that so i believe at that point if i remember right uh texas tech had just taken i think it was a 24 21 lead over Mm -hmm. oklahoma state and i get it be aggressive i I understand you know the thought process behind it but your defense (laughs) has played pretty well right and so even if they just recover at the 50 or the 40 or whatever like that's still putting them in a tough position um that I don't feel like you need to put them in and (laughs) I I don't know it's just oh I and, and it's one of these like there's one of these per game right like one of these plays that that are like it's not even that they're bad right they're just like they just go in a direction that no normal football game would go.
1: <laughs> yeah. and then of course, like, oh. just to add insult to injury, like the very next drive, Alan right. Bowman throws a pick six. <laughs> like, right.
0: It was like, oh, okay, it's a there's... fourteen point swing. Yeah, and, and that's the game. Like the, the, the
1: wildest game. part was like rewatching that uh, onside kick. That was a really good onside kick right. that he that like the Oklahoma State player just, just like snagged it. off the high bounce. Like right. it was right. about to bounce over his head, and he was like, "Oh, good little yeah. reflexes," and just. <laughs> nailed it so it was like a half second from working and no, it, then all of a sudden there are 14 points in the other direction like
0: again I I do think I I've always been of the mindset right that you you uh you know to use a basketball euphemism you judge the play when the shot is in the air you don't judge mm. it whether he makes it or misses it right right and so like I'm not gonna roast him as bad for that as other people because i do think that i understand the thought process and if it sure. works like he's a he's a freaking genius right mm-hmm. but oh my god this happens every week this happens every week there's just one of these where it's just mm. where, where it's just inexplicable and and yeah. again it, it's like the uh it's like the Kansas game last year where it's just it was Douglas Coleman right just tries mm-hmm. to lateral it for no reason literally just go down <laughs> it's just stuff like that where i i don't these are the sort of mistakes where i'm like I don't blame the coaching staff for it, but they keep happening, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, and I don't even know what you coach to not have that happen, right? Like, I don't even think that there's like a preparation thing that you can do different to not have that happen, but it just keeps happening. And, and at some point, right, at some point when it's happening every single week, I need answers.
1: <laughs> well, to talk about a little bit of the good stuff. Um, yes. And basically, basically, there was a lot of next- There was a lot of Right, it. right. Basically next year, what I, what I know, what I've noticed from Texas Tech, is they just need to put Sir Roderick Thompson in bubble wrap and just make sure that he's good to go because every t- every good game from Texas Tech coincides with good performances from Sir Roderick Thompson.
0: Definitely, definitely. No, he has been really special this year. Um, and, and, again, I, I will mention again, you know, we mentioned last week, Taj Brooks, I, I think that his emergence has been huge. And the fact that they were able to run the ball with some consistency in this game, it, it's, been, it's been a real mm-hmm. difference change. Uh, Difference maker, excuse me. And, uh, you know, they rushed for 258 yards in this game. Xavier White also has 98 yards and a touchdown. Like, it was – it's a solid – this is a good team when they can run the ball with some consistency. And, actually, I even think that their tackles are playing better on offense than they were the past couple of weeks. And I think it's really kind of helped to make things work. And so, the thing that I'll say about Texas Tech is that they, in my opinion, probably should not have lost this game, right? Right. And so if you look at these last two games, I think that they've started to turn a little bit of a corner. Um, We'll see if it's sustainable. I I guess we won't really see because they're playing Kansas. We won't really learn anything from that. But I do think that we've been waiting for them to sort of consistently trend upwards because we've kept seeing like, nice thing, terrible thing. Nice thing, terrible thing. This felt like a little bit of a this felt like an improvement from the Bayley, not a huge one, but it felt like an improvement mm-hmm. and it feels like they're starting to figure themselves out.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, hundred percent. I think. And I mean, it kind of just raises the point of um, the further confusion of Alan Bowman. Right. And like their quarterback <laughs> situation too. Right. Cause like, well, crap, like he threw a pick six sure, but he was really good. The rest of the game. I think and he then, was like, really
0: good. Yeah.
1: And then like, he, they were able to get some of the young receivers, like Lowick fungi had his first uh, uh, touchdown catch of the year, yeah and it was, like, it okay, was amazing like too, yeah, and it was like, oh man, like this uh, you're starting to see this team, and like it just like I said, it just raises the i think miles price got a i don't know if he had a touchdown, but he had a couple of receptions as well, and it was like a couple of big plays, yeah, and so it was like, oh man, are you talking to yourself back in allen it's like and it's just like it just starts the whole thing over again, but, yeah, I think if anything, this year what we're learning is like Matt Wells wants to have a balanced team, and when he does, and when he has Cerrone Thompson, or at least somebody who's the def- who the defense has to keep an eye on in the backfield, they're really good. And you know, it, if I don't know, like a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, like, oh, you know, Matt Wells the guy and all that. And I think looking at looking back at that discussion and looking back now at the season as a whole. I mean, you know, the games that they performed worse in were the games that Sir Roderick Thompson wasn't 100% or wasn't there and they were kind of still flip-flopping on the quarterback and it's like okay, if they have their running if they have their guy in the running game and they just stick with one guy at quarterback whoever that is. I think they're headed in the right direction and you know, again, yeah, you talk about the one baffling decision in the game and it's like yes, that has to go away, but I don't know. Like I, I think that I'm starting to be in the, the camp of there are more positive checks on the whole than negative. And the other thing that
0: I'll say too, is that, you know, looking at this box score, especially it becomes kind of obvious how different this team has been since they've started to get some of Matt Wells guys more in the rotation, mm-hmm. because, um, You know, I know that you cannot go across Texas Tech Twitter any week without them complaining that TJ Vasher's not getting enough targets. But, like, Mm -hmm. part of it is that, one, I don't think he's the best fit for what they want to do. And second of all, I mean, dude needs to get open, too. Like, I mean, I'm just going to be honest here, right? Uh, Right. And I know that uh, Ezukanma was not like a Wells recruit, per se. Like, I think that he was first brought in by Cliff. Mm. Um, But, you know, he's a guy who's been there long enough, and he's starting to emerge. Miles Price is a a Wells recruit. Loic Fongi is a a Wells recruit. Uh, Obviously, Todd Brooks, like we mentioned. Xavier White. These are guys who Matt Wells brought in. And uh, I don't remember the timeline on Sir Roderick Thompson, but I do think that Wells kind of finished up his recruitment. So, like, Mm -hmm. these are guys who I think are being brought in to play Matt Wells football. And I do think that we're starting to see as some of those old guard guys, I don't want to say get pushed out of the rotation because I think that's unfair. I don't think they've done anything wrong, per se. But I do think that as these new guys have come in, you're starting to see – that they just do what Matt Wells wants to do a little better, and I, I think that's true on defense too, right? Like I think that uh, I think that a lot of these transfers who have come in and played really well, the Colin Schoolers, the the Jacob Morgan Stearns, the obviously the Zach McPhersons, I, I think that they've played really well, and you're starting to I think see what Matt Wells wants, and I think the more guys that he gets in there, right? Because that's that's the big thing I wanted to see, right? Is that Matt Wells came in saying, I'm a developmental coach, I'm going to bring this program along, et cetera, et cetera. And what you want to see is you want to see guys that he's bringing in and developing develop, right? And and I think that, like you mentioned, if it was sort of a downhill slide from that Texas Tech game, I mean, sorry, from that TCU game, rather, I think that we're having a conversation about, okay, this isn't trending right. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that it's trending fast enough, I'm not saying that they're where they need to be. I mean this is year 2. I'm not going to say that it's not year 2 because year 2 is usually when you start to see this improvement at least. Mm-hmm. Uh but I do think that there are a lot of positive signs to take away from this season. And the other thing that I'll say too is <clears throat> is that you know, they're going to beat Kansas next week. They're going to be 4 and 6. It's not going to be their favorite season. It's not going to be their best record, but you know, in a in a year where you have three conference games, that's good enough for a bowl, right? Like you're six and six at that point, most likely. Mm-hmm. So I do think that they're heading in the right direction. Uh, I think 21 is going to be very important. Um, but I, I do think that they're starting to have the guys who are going to be the centerpiece if they do start to turn it around. So anyway, that's enough about Tech. Stack. But moving on to number six, TCU. They beat Kansas. We didn't really learn anything about them. Uh, nope. the, one, the one thing that I'll say, I don't they beat Kansas easily okay cool whatever I don't care uh mm-hmm. I have no idea what their like ideas are on offense <laughs> <laughs> like because because this game was very much this game was very much okay you can't block us we're we're TC you know it's like the sort of thing where it's like okay if you play an FCS team and you just run the ball on them every play like yeah you're just Bigger than them. What did you prove? You know, right. that's not anything sustainable. You didn't try anything hard. And that's basically what this game was. Because do you know how many passes Max Duggan completed in this football game? It was like four or five, something like that. It was three. Oh, okay, even less. Cool. Do you know how many of them were to wide receivers? Two. Zero. Oh, okay. All three passes that Max Duggan completed, which, by the way, I, I do have to say, all three went for touchdowns.
1: So if you run well, the- well, well, that's the other thing. Like all three of them were like wide open, like right. where he had right. where he had to make like no read. It was right, just like, right, oh, right. that guy. <laughs> it was the Alex Kirshner thing on Twitter. Where it was like, hey, throw <laughs> right, it to the open guy. Right, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I. So Pro Wells is awesome. I would just have to say that Pro Wells is. is- I mean, between Pro Wells and Kylan Grant, we have some special tight ends in the state. And, and, the, and actually, um, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the uh, – Jalen Weidemeyer at Texas uh-huh. he's, a He's really good, too. we got some really good tight ends in the state. But, yeah, what the hell? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, and he only threw the ball 11 times. I'll say that. But, like, what is the plan?
1: What is the thought? No, I uh, hope Zach Evans gets healthy, or not gets healthy, but just he gets up it's to speed. Game right, right,
0: right. I don't know.
1: That was fine. He, he played good. That was uh, that, that. was the only thing I took. I was like, hey, look, there's Zach Evans. Like, you know, good, good <laughs> right. Zach Evans. And right. like, uh, okay, cool. I don't know. Kansas can't do anything on offense. So of course, TC's defense looks good. Um, they kind of just let Kendrick do whatever. And Kendrick's, you know, an emerging guy, but he's or, uh, not Kendrick. Um, Jalen Daniels. Yeah, Jalen Daniels. He's an emerging guy, but he's obviously not ready yet. And so, like, you know, they're just going to let him take lumps. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was fine, whatever. Kansas had 100 yards, but they had, like, 60 rushing attempts. So, of course, they were going to get there eventually. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. This this was the game where, to me, like, you'd want to really flex Max Duggan's ability and, like, really try to establish yourself on the ground. And they just kind of did that i don't know yeah yeah Yeah. i i I stopped watching
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i had it on and was just like why am i watching this and uh over his last three games max duggan is completing 47.6 percent of his passes so cool cool (laughs) i i i i don't know man i i've got no words i don't feel any more optimistic about where tcu is than i did before Mm. um you know, again, I I will say it's like the it's like the Texas Tech thing. I'm trying to judge teams based on like a, if you added two extra wins, you know, would they get to bowl eligibility? Which TCU would? It would mm-hmm. be bowl eligibility, but like I just don't feel good about this team. I don't feel good about where they're going to be next year. I assume that uh, Trayvon Marig uh, is going to uh, enter the draft, and and maybe Ardarius Washington too, and. It's just at that point, what, what are we doing here? What, what's the point? What are we trying to accomplish, I guess? Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, cool. You beat Kansas. You got Oklahoma <laughs> State next week. Let's see what happens. Uh, also, my God, that's that's good enough. That explanation that I just gave is good enough to be a top half team in the state right now. So, oh, boy. Oh, boy. And, and the other team uh, at number five who had a postponed game, Houston, who didn't play. That's yeah, that's enough. I don't know. Uh, they they had a postponed game against Tulsa. The the Enigma of Houston is good enough to be better than what seven teams in this state. <laughs> so yeah. nothing to say about them. Um okay, let's let's just whew, man. These four, three, and two, we do have some to talk about, but we need to we need to speed this up a little bit. But um at number four we got Texas. Let's save some of this Texas talk for Wednesday. Um
1: yeah, because there's, there's a there, lot.
0: There's a lot. There's a lot. Um, so let's just, we're not going to talk about the Tom Herman stuff. Uh, the big thing, obviously, to know, uh, Sam Elliott loses on senior day. I guess the way that they were talking about him seems like he's told them that he's not coming back.
1: Oh, yeah. They they had a whole ceremony and all that. He's, he's, he's gone.
0: Right. I, I don't know. I mean, I was curious how teams are going to handle it, and Texas State didn't handle it, right? They they just said they didn't hold the senior day, nothing like that. The The hmm. word is, is that, a lot of them are coming back. And then for Texas, I mean, obviously, look, Sam Cosme has already opted out the rest of the season, so obviously he's not coming back. <laughs> uh, I, I'll be curious to see whether Joseph Osai could be another guy who could be a candidate for that. Um, I, I'd imagine that, that Cosme, I mean, that's the thing that's a little surprising, is that if you had told me that a player opted out immediately after this game, I don't think I would have guessed Cosme right like it was a little surprising to me that that he was sort of the first guy who immediately after the game is like I'm done I'm out right Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and and I mean the fact that a guy like Sam Cosme is just kind of saying I'm done here I mean that is I don't know is it
1: is it that surprising though I mean he's basically like it's not a very good excuse me it's not a very good left tackle year aside from like uh Penny Sewell um Mm -hmm by honestly by the fact that sam cosney might be a top 15 pick um no offense to sam cosney but i don't think he's a top 15 lineman in a good year yeah um and so i mean you know if he if he basically has you know if he's talking to people and they're saying yeah you're basically a guaranteed top 2015 pick why would you waste your time time against uh against kansas and potentially a no you know a nonsense bowl game
0: uh-huh. right yeah, no, I mean it's fair, but like again, now all of a sudden you start asking, why bother if you're most of Texas's seniors, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what, like again, Joseph Osai, what's what's his plan? I don't know. I mean, we'll sure. we'll see what ends up happening. And I mean, that that is the one thing, right? It's like those are kind of the two, unless I'm forgetting someone. Those are kind of the two top draft prospects I, mm. I don't think that they have unless I'm forgetting somebody which I'm sure I am I mean I guess if Caden Stearns I, I don't know where they kind of see him now because it's been a little while since we've seen the best of him I, I don't know but it's gonna be really weird I don't know I mean things are obviously unraveling uh obviously the Urban Meyer hype train is uh, chugging along at full steam and I mean again we, we can talk more about this on Wednesday but it's this is a weird year. This is uh, this is this is there's a lot happening. Let's put it that way. There's a lot happening at the University of Texas. And one thing that that I do just want to quickly mention too is that one thing that's been kind of funny to me is that Tom Herman doesn't lose games in like normal ways. You know, like oh. everything that happens with Tom Herman is just like astonishing. And obviously with this game, you know, Texas drives down the field. Somehow your senior quarterback, your all-everything quarterback, your best quarterback in a decade, takes a sack on a play where <laughs> you horrendous. cannot take a sack. Yeah. And again, it's just, it's like the Matt Wilson right? Like, that's not Tom Herman's fault, but holy hell, this is not the first time, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, it's a 57-yard field goal for Cameron Dicker to try to tie the game, and obviously that's – too long that's too long of a field goal and yeah it's just so weird because I really I really Tom Herman's been fine he hasn't been good enough I don't think I don't think that he's reached his potential and and it's gonna kill him that in his second year they won 10 games and and obviously haven't gotten back to that but like Tom Herman has been fine I, I don't think that you need to fire him by any means but like just the way that it's happened has been so inexplicable in so many ways. And I mean, I'll be honest too. Like, I don't think he's done himself many favors with the way that he's, I guess, sort of interacted with the fan base and treated people. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I don't know. It's, it's so weird. Uh, <clears throat> but, but, I mean, yeah, maybe this is the end.
1: Yeah. I, like you said, I do want to hold the bulk of this conversation for Wednesday, but like, <clears throat> what do we, we look at Tom Herman's, you know, four years now. Um, and the reason why we're talking about their season being done is because they play Kansas next. Who cares? Um, <laughs> uh, Kansas and, State and then Kansas. Right, right. Kansas, honestly, who cares? Both teams are not very good. <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> so, you know, you look at what they've done well, and they've recruited well, right? Yeah. They haven't really developed well. <laughs> no. They haven't really game planned well. Right. They haven't made adjustments well. He hasn't necessarily hired well um and so you look at the recruit like basically what i'm saying is because we all know the name that's getting thrown out there and it's like okay he's you're basically you tried the post mac brown right you tried the or even during mac brown let's go back to that you let him try to his ceo approach one more time right tear it down hire but he knew didn't work okay move on from mac brown bring in culture change bring in more um traditional uh, you know another a different type of ceo right um but mostly a culture change guy okay that didn't work now you're bringing in the texas roots guy the exciting offense guy the up and coming guy right he was he was essentially the guy that could not fail and guess i don't want to say he failed but he did not live up to expectations or has not lived up to expectations I mean, there's a reason why Urban Meyer is the guy getting thrown around. Because it's like, look, we're done with these culture-changed guys. We're done with these young enough – win, right? Like, that's – like, <laughs> basically, we're done – you know, we don't have a problem recruiting anymore. We don't have a problem with – our problems are things that good to great coaches can do really well. And you need – right now, I think what they're looking for is a guarantee that you can develop guys, which if you think that Tom Herman's recruited well, I think he has – you're looking for a guy that take those guys and make them into the five, four or five-star recruits that you scouted them to be. And then you're looking for him to hire the, his guys, you know, to, to take over the team and eventually lead them into a better place like Ohio state's in right now with Ryan day. Um, You're eventually looking for them to, you're eventually looking for a guy who knows that if they're mismatched or something in a game that they're going to game plan to that, to overcome those deficiencies. And I'm looking at what they're expecting. And I just don't see Tom Herman as that guy because even going back to his time at Houston, Tony Levine recruited fairly well. And all Tom Herman did was took a pretty talented team. And, you know, basically, I I don't want to say Tony, Tony Levine would have had them like, you know, 13 and one or 12 and one or whatever the Tom Herman had them, but he had them pretty okay. And all Tom Herman did was kind of just bumped him up. Yeah. And that last year at Houston, he didn't – it wasn't great. It was fine.
0: Right? Yeah. That no, first I mean, year was that
1: 13 – that 13 in one year was the year. And then, like, the next year was like, ah, yeah, okay, sure. It was a little bit more of Tom Herman's image, and it was kind of eh. And what's been the story of his Texas tenure? Eh.
0: <laughs> yeah. And obviously, the last thing that I'll say on this is, look – I think that we have obviously realized over the past decade that Texas's floor is a lot lower than we thought it was. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing I'll say is that it, I don't think that it's inconceivable, especially if you miss on Meyer, right? Like, cause that's, that's the thing. You've got to get oh, Meyer. I was about to say, you've got to get Meyer. Yeah,
1: you've got to get Meyer. Right. Uh,
0: but like, it is not impossible that Texas boat believes itself here by firing Herman. Like, it is not out of the realm of possibility that they – because, cause look, I mean, they, if they win these last two games, you're going to finish seven and three in a conference-only schedule, which is fine. It's not yeah. great. Like, it's not what you wanted. But, yeah. like, it's fine.
1: And so – So I'm thinking, like, yeah, so I'm wondering, like <laughs> – I don't want to get too speculative here, but it's, like, obviously they're banking on, you know, theoretically the most ideal scenario. Urban Meyer comes in, fixes them for a couple years, leaves them with, you know, a Ryan Day-like – player a coach to lead them in the future um they yeah that doesn't hire work on ryan day well they yeah i'm never
0: be that creative
1: i'm not, i know that but i'm just saying like erin meyer comes in and says you know hey i'm gonna you know leave again in three years after they right. do something and then the, he leaves them theoretically if he puts them in a position like bob stoops did where it's like oh yeah, look yeah. i'm gonna retire in august and it's like oh, okay i guess we gotta hire this guy but like <laughs> you know if it doesn't work out I don't know what they do like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like yeah they have to get Meyer because then they're like well I, yeah. <laughs> it's uh,
0: it is kind of funny because there's so many comparisons to if they were to get Meyer to the Jimbo situation at A&M where it's like this is the ultimate test of whether this can happen here ever again right. because if it doesn't happen with Meyer we just got to fold the program Right, like we just we just got to say this is never happening. We're yeah. gonna, you know, try and win ten games. Sometimes we're gonna, you know, whatever. But like, if Urban Meyer isn't the guy who can do it, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what we're saying at that point. So, let, let's move on. Let's move on. But um, okay, so I don't want to talk about SMU that much. I mm-hmm. don't know what the hell happened. Uh, <laughs> they went down forty-five to seven against East Carolina, who was two and six heading into this game, and. Okay, I I just uh, it was obviously an emotional letdown after what happened against Tulsa. Um, mm-hmm. We saw basically this exact thing happen last year when they went and played in the Booger Bowl and just didn't play football. Uh, mm-hmm. Which that's kind of a weird trend. That's not the kind of trend that you want, is to have.
1: Yeah, a, you, you, you lose and you just you up. have a disappointing loss and then you just have another one.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and and you know I understand they their season in terms of their goals is over right like they can't mm-hmm. accomplish their goal which was to make a conference championship game and yep. to win a conference championship obviously but at the same time like you got to keep playing football games you know you got to you got to not go down 45 to 7 i i, yeah. I don't know
1: i will say like it's inexcusable obviously but like East carolina pulled out some of the like weirdest things ever to like go up they had like a fake punt that led to a touchdown eventually they had like a wide receiver pass that led to that like for a touchdown smu fumbled in like their own in the shadow i won't say the shadow of their own end zone but like on their side of the field and like that went for a touchdown it was like it was like the most like calamitous Sent us a set of events. So, like, it wasn't just like East Carolina just driving down the field constantly. It was like SMU shooting themselves in the foot or getting caught on guard by a trick play. And, but to your point, like, that doesn't happen in like October. <laughs> it's just like they don't get constantly beat by trick plays and like constantly right. make mistakes and yeah it was and, it was very uncharacteristic but it wasn't like them just absolutely getting bowled over for
0: you know right hours. <laughs> and and i mean obviously the thing that we have to mention is in the second half i mean they do outscore east carolina 31 to 7 right like right, once it right. gets a little bit more straight up and there was like, hey
1: that was weird let's, yeah, let's play football yeah. now
0: <laughs> like i and again that's why i i don't really i don't think this says anything about the state of anything at smu it's just a man, I would really prefer if you didn't give up. <laughs> you know, I would really <laughs> prefer if, if, if even after you fall to 7-2, and two, a disastrous 7-2 and two record, that you still tried to win the game, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and they didn't. So this week's going to be interesting. They're playing against Houston. Um, again, I want to emphasize I don't think that it matters. I don't think any of this matters. Um, and the other thing, too, that I'll say about SMU is that they are in – just and this is the whole group of five conundrum right they are in a terrible situation because if they're not making a new year's six bowl like they're going to like the fresco bowl right like there's Mm -hmm. there's no way that they can kind of like work themselves up and that's that's a whole problem with this whole garbage system by the way is is the idea that smu can you know last year go 10 and 2 and have to play fau you know that sucks that's garbage but mm-hmm. uh but that's a that's a conversation for another day but yeah i don't know i mean again my takeaway from this game is maybe try next time smu and uh <laughs> and, you know and north carolina is beautiful this time of year but yep. uh <laughs> let's just well real quick uh real quick let's say number one texan M. They beat LSU twenty to seven. Don't look great, uh, but LSU is obviously kind of pulling out all the stops on defense, especially like you were talking about with East Carolina, and you know, and I'm still one pretty easy. They they didn't allow a touchdown until really late in this game, so it really wasn't even as close as this. Uh, a bad Kellen Mond game, but mm-hmm. you know, again, they they schemed really hard to take away the pass um, and and play them up tight and play with safety help, and so Isaiah Spiller was really able to go off. So right. you know. Good win, they they did it right. Like lc's still a talented team, they still held them underwater. Fine, you know. Look every part of what they're supposed to look like. UTSA, man, let's go. Oh, man. Let's go.
1: Jeez, just make the whole plane out of sincere McCormick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> The, man just make the entire airline out of sincere mccormick oh
1: hand. man he is so so what record like i'm trying to keep track of, like the records he broke like <laughs> so he broke he he broke like his own single game rushing record so
0: so this was the program rushing record they had okay, never had progr- a guy okay, go gotcha. over 200 um Jeez. and so actually the previous record was his game against texas state when he went from yes. 197 and uh, which i'm sure you remember uh, <laughs> uh unfortunately yes uh, the thing that's crazy about this, right, he rushes for 251 yards. And, obviously, he doesn't get the attention that he gets because Jarrett Patterson is ha- doing things on the same day at Buffalo. Right. But, uh, but he goes for 251 yards. Hey, do you know uh, Do you know how many times he rushed the ball? Oh, yeah, no, it was 23. 23, yeah, 23 carries. <laughs> 23 carries. He rushed for 11 yards a carry <laughs> against a conference opponent that has recruited better than them and has historically been a lot better than them. And he, he just, I mean come on what is oh
1: my gosh I think sincere I, McCormick's an argument that they haven't recruited better than them <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think that you watch this game and like I mean and by he the way to set, Cobb's
0: gonna do this in a couple years too just oh my god out. I was I was I was
1: hoping that they would just put him a wildcat a quarterback and just be like hey you let this guy leave like you let this guy get away yeah, you to, didn't want to him <laughs> right um <laughs> Yeah, but like he's he was able to set up Frank Harris to have a big game, and like, yeah. but it wasn't even like, and the defense played. I mean, the defense played really, really well as well yep, against yep. an offense that had started to find its identity. um But it was yeah, since McCormick was just able to set up everything. Like he was able to make Frank Harris into a more deadly runner. He was able to make Frank Harris into a. uh He didn't you know have a prolific passing day, but it was like you know they had to respect. Very him efficient. And yeah, man, it was. This was this was something like I didn't expect this type of explosion, because I thought North Texas one would play better, but UTSA just didn't let them. Like no, no. Cincy McCormick was just like, all right, I'm just going to absolutely destroy this front seven, and not give them a chance. And that's exactly what happened. It was that was a lot of fun. Like yeah, good God. Next year, this team (laughs) is so much fun.
0: Yeah, they're they're so much fun, and I, I mean, it's crazy, right? Because. I think that we knew that, that UTSA wasn't getting the most out of their talent the last couple mm-hmm. of years um, for a variety of reasons. I'm not going to, like, point to one reason. But, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, they obviously ran kind of that pro-style system, and it just didn't, it didn't really work. And, I mean, I, I just think that I, I've done it a couple times here, right, but this is just such a high school team to me in terms of we're going to figure out how to get our best guy to beat you right like that's that's what we're going to do we're going to find the best way we're going to use our best guy then to set up everything else and it's going to work and you're not going to be able to stop it and 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 again, like I to me, that's just like such a high school play, which is uh, incredible, you know. Because most teams, most teams are like, we want to establish this identity and run this play, you know. It's a, like I was talking about with South Carolina, like we're gonna lose, but we're gonna do it running, you know, halfback dive eighteen times, and it's right. like, uh, I mean, again, you, you just,
1: just consider like three years ago, you know, they yeah, have that yeah. incredible win in Apogee. Know uh, yeah. what Texas yeah, 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 does? Yeah. Two years ago, who won the game two years I forgot who won the game two years ago. But last year, let's just go back to last year, 45-3, right. to three, right? Like North right. Texas firmly, firmly in control of the series and in control of the trajectory. Uh, North Texas won in 2018 too, twenty twenty four, twenty one. So, so three years in a row and slowly getting like more distant and more apparent that North Texas is the dominant program. And then just absolutely get shellacked by UTSA this year. Like UTSA comes out and just turns the table in the other direction, one eighty, not close. Man, that's that's <laughs> got a sting. That's got a sting because you again, like you mentioned, North Texas was the program, and they were the group of five program before SMU and all that stuff three years ago or two years ago even and UTSA just completely flips the table in embarrassing fashion, has the best running back in the state. I, man, it's I don't know. Like, in one year, just completely turns the table on you, and now looks like, I mean, next year they're going to be a frontrunner in the Conference USA, this year they're going to make a bowl and probably look really good in, in it, I'm assuming. Um, I haven't looked at any bowl projections, but,
0: you know, I'm, I'm assuming and, they're going to get it. And by the way, by the way, uh, UTSA at this moment is – in a really good position to make the conference USA title game. It depends. Yeah, true, it depends. There's a lot of
1: uncertainty about scheduling.
0: Right. right. I think that it's uh, Oh man. I think it's UAB. I can't remember if it's UAB or Louisiana tech who they're waiting on. Um, but like they are in a good position because they're, it's going to be very complicated to figure out how exactly <laughs> who exactly wins the, the division. But I
1: believe,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, it's UAB. So UAB is two and one right now in conference. Um, and so they're going to go off winning percentage first, but they're also going to say, if you haven't played X amount of games, then we might not consider you. Now, the thing that I'll say is that UTEP and Rice are actually really, really helping out UAB by dragging down the average number of games that was played. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, if UAB can't play this upcoming week, or if they obviously lose the game against, uh, I guess, uh, against, no, I guess they aren't playing this. Is UAB playing this week? I guess. Uh, I guess they're not. No, so yeah. they don't play until until Rice on December twelfth. From what we I'll, can see.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at. <laughs> I'm looking at some bowl projections right now.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness, I want these so bad. Um. <laughs> so ESPN, Mark label and uh, uh, Kyle Bocane, Bonne, uh Bonagira, sorry, can't pronounce that right. They they are right now projecting UTSA versus Houston in the Frisco Bowl. <clears throat> Oh my God! <laughs> Both of them are. Um, the other, so so right now, it looks like UTSA is almost, unless of course we'll see what happens with the conference championship. But they're yeah fairly slated to, for the Frisco Bowl. Okay. Um, I've seen Houston, I've seen Tulane, and the one that I am really, really intrigued by, which could be very bad or very good, Brett McMurphy has them versus SMU. Oh man. <laughs> let's just long story short i want to see any of those yeah. especially houston i yeah. would love to see utsa houston because no. my god the feather in the cap for jeff trailer if he <laughs> pulls an upset against houston
0: yeah it, it's crazy and i mean the thing that's craziest about all of this is that all of these guys are basically who are you know excelling like this the vast majority of them are like from the last two recruiting classes right like yeah. Like, the, the core of this team is the, I guess, 2019 recruiting class with, with obviously Sincere McCormick and Rashad Wisdom and all those well, I think guys.
1: It's, it's similar to the – I mean, in different ways, it's kind of like a, a – they're similar in certain ways and different in certain ways, but, like, it's, it's kind of similar to what we're seeing with Texas and Tom Herman where it's like, okay, you fix the recruiting, right? We are recruiting at a high level. Frank Wilson recruited at a high level. Someone come in here and fix this, right? Someone come in here and just develop all of these guys because we don't trust you to do it. And right, right. That's exactly what's happening with Jeff Traylon.
0: Yeah. No. Again, I, I just, I'm sure, I'm sure at at some level this is a very lazy way to think of it, but just everything about this program is just the best of high school. Like, you're just the development, the scheming, just everything is just like, it, it's just working so well. Like, I, mm-hmm. i am, I cannot believe how well this is all working. And, and I was high. <laughs> I, you know, I thought that this was an interesting hire. I thought that this was something. I did not see any of this coming. I did not see them, nope. you know coming out here and embarrassing some dudes and by the way, like the the thing that that Jeff trailer was brought in to do was to recruit too, and mm-hmm. he's got a number of guys he's still doing that <laughs> right he's got a number of guys and and look i I think that we can say you're gonna look at his uh you know the the two four seven profiles and all that sort of stuff and be like, What exactly is this you know these aren't especially good players et cetera, et cetera, and then like in two years you're gonna be like oh eddie lee marburger oh <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> why did nobody recruit him <laughs> right. that's weird yeah. Try, like like he is he is hitting on so many of these kids that we cannot believe other schools are not recruiting
1: and- eventually um for a future show i was talking to i was talking to one of our recruiting buddies after the after a couple games about like you know utsa what they're doing well and just kind of north in north texas and i even asked about LSU a little bit during the AM game. Eventually, I'll tell you off air, but like eventually I do want to have him on to kind of walk us through what some of these programs are doing well and better than others and like yeah. what others aren't because it's interesting to hear like the logic going into focusing on a certain kid, bypassing a certain kid. It's like, yeah, we, we're fine there. Um, LSU's quarterback situation, which I think is very interesting right now. I'll tell you again. I'll tell you off air. We'll we'll yeah. have this guy on later. But um, yeah, it's it's very fascinating that, you know, to hear what UTSA is doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that you know, just looking back at at the twenty twenty class a little bit, right? Like, I think that some of the examples of that would be like Jamal Ligon is not a guy who would have been recruited by a lot of places. You know, he was mm-hmm. kind of projected as a defensive end. They moved him to linebacker, and he's he's just thrived, right? Kaidre Cops gonna be a guy who we look back and just have no idea how this happened right mm-hmm. like just have no idea how the hell this happened and uh you know even obviously a guy like Julon Williams who they bring in to play receiver as a transfer right like we mm-hmm. knew that he was good he was a Houston player but he's just going to be one of those guys in a couple of years that, that we're going to be looking back like oh boy how, how did he get to UTSA and mm-hmm. I mean it is it I, I'm sure that you can tell through through our voices but man over the course of this year, I—I I mean, we are fully on board the Jeff Trailer train, right? 100%. Like, we—we we wanted to talk ourselves into it before the season and just weren't quite sure.
1: Yeah.
0: But, oh boy, has he—has he proven us wrong? He is. It looks real. Real <laughs> deal. And man, what—what what a crazy, crazy one-year turnaround! I cannot believe that in, in the year of COVID, no less, when they didn't even right. have spring practice. This dude had never been at head coach uh, at, at a college level, obviously uh brings in a coordinator at arkansas who was best known as a tight end coach and it it doesn't matter right it just Mm -hmm. oh man it's crazy i i cannot wait to dig a little bit more into this program over the off season so uh all that to say all that to say yes (laughs) obviously you two say number two in the college Mm -hmm. power bowl and uh that's gonna pretty much do it for us just running back through again we got number 12 texas state their season is over number 11, Baylor, number 10, Rice, number 9, UTEP, number 8, North Texas, number 7, Texas Tech, number 6, TCU, number 5, Houston, number 4, Texas, number 3, SMU, number 2, UTSA, and number 1, the Texas A&M Aggies. So, sorry that uh, that we needed an extra day to come to you, as I'm sure everybody can imagine. It's been quite the, the holiday week last week, so we've been mm. very busy with that. But uh, we'll be back with you guys on Wednesday like normal. Uh, and... As always, you can find all of our work at texfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Tex Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. And you can become a subscriber at texfootball.com slash subscribe. First of all, I'm Shahan Raja. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll be back with you guys again next week or on Wednesday.